Well, good evening, everybody. It's a real pleasure to be here this evening. In fact, what a night to be here. The warm-up act to the most exciting event in English football for over 50 years. I'm, I hope I'm equal to it. I'm just a bit worried about where the other 60,000 people are. They're obviously not here for this. So, what do you talk about when you're told you can talk about anything? It's like being asked what your favorite joke is. Your mind goes completely blank. But fortunately, Doug didn't say that to me. He said, talk on whatever God lays on your heart. That actually was a whole load easier. All I had to do was spend time with God, giving it to him, and then waiting for that idea to become apparent, whether it was through something I read or saw or was told about. So hence this evening, we're starting in the Old Testament in Kings with the prophet Elijah, and then naturally from there diving into the New Testament in Jesus with the help of the Dutch Catholic priest, Henri Noen. Tonight, we're going to listen out again for that quiet call from God and think what following that call can mean to us. So here we go. Elijah has stood up to the prophets of Baal. He has seen God move miraculously on Mount Carmel. He's experienced enormous disappointment when Israel didn't turn back to God. And he's run for his life to Mount Horeb to flee from Queen Jezebel, who wants to kill him, and where, when he gets there, he hides in a cave. He's full of pain, extremely disappointed, and fearful. He's at an all-time low and alone. Having gone through so much for God, the disappointment of thinking that God was not there with him must have been very real. So it's at this point, in 1 Kings 19, we read, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. God passed by and spoke to Elijah in a whisper. God was with Elijah. He hadn't left him, but was there reassuring him that he was in control. Elijah had only to listen and to follow what God told him to do. God didn't call out in the noise of the wind or the earthquake or the fire but in the quietness of a whisper. God knew how to call Elijah back to himself. It needed honesty from Elijah, telling God exactly how he felt, totally let down. Then God came in and took over with a whispering word. All Elijah had to do was follow. This was my daily reading the other day, a lovely passage that reminds us that a whispering call from God can reset our lives and put us back on track following him. All around us might be in turmoil. Our lives might not be where we want them to be. But if we can take time to be quiet, we might hear that same whispering call from God. 
After all, we have a God who loves and cares for us very much. His whispering call is for everyone. And all we have to be is open for it and ready to follow. Now fast forward a few thousand years and we can find out what it takes to follow. In his book, Following Jesus, this one here, Henri Noam challenges his readers to question whether they are truly committed to hearing this quiet call and following Jesus. He says that it is into this deeply tired world of ours that God sends Jesus to speak the voice of love. Jesus wants us to stop rushing around and slow down so we can hear his call and follow him. No one tells us that this quiet call of love can completely reshape our lives and give it renewed focus. With Noah's help, I have understood again how I can hear and respond to this call of love. Tonight, I'm inviting you to come on the journey I've been on through this book to see if the same call can reshape your life and give it renewed focus. In John 1, John the Baptist said to his disciples, look, there is the Lamb of God. His disciples heard this and immediately followed Jesus. And seeing them follow him, Jesus asked them what they wanted. They wanted to see where he lived, which was a strange reply. But Jesus' response to them serves as an invitation to all of us. Come and see, he said. We're all invited to enter Jesus' world, take a look around and get to know him. Those disciples did just that. They went with Jesus and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. No rush, no hurry, plenty of time to get to know Jesus. The disciples heard Jesus' invitation. They asked questions and they spent time with him. We might not physically hear Jesus' voice inviting us to enter his world, but we can hear him through other people. We might hear him through what we read. We might hear him through things that happen to us, or we might hear him through something we see. We have to be open and receptive to Jesus' invitation. And having heard it, we shouldn't be surprised if we too want to ask questions. The disciples did. They asked, where do you live? They wanted to know more about Jesus, and that is how we should be. After all, this is who we're going to place our trust in and who we're going to spend time with. Mark 9, 5 says, it's good to be here with you, Jesus. That is how we need to feel. We need to carve out time in our busy and distracting lives to spend meaningful time with him. We can't be too busy to receive the invitation. So what does this invitation call us to? When Jesus spoke to the disciples and the crowds from a boat on the lake in Luke 5, he was calling them to life in a new kingdom, one in which values were turned upside down and one to which everyone was called. The poor, the marginalized, the broken, 
the downhearted and the weak, a kingdom to which all can come and be blessed. There is an expectation though, that once we accept the call to be part of this new kingdom, that our life will change and we won't go back to our old way of life. Mark 1, 17, Jesus says, follow me, don't be afraid. I will make you catch people. I will introduce you to a completely new way of living and being. It's a commitment to an adventure. After all, Jesus came to bring life and life to the full. We must not be fearful, but let go and trust that call on our lives. We are called to choose life, life following Jesus. We aren't asked to take big steps and we aren't asked to take lots of steps at once. However, as we take our steps, we're asked to move away from having ourselves at the center of our lives to having Jesus there. As we take these steps, our life in Jesus' new kingdom will gradually come into sharper focus. No one says, following Jesus means to live our life in his spirit, in his light, in his heart, but with our spirit, with our light, and with our heart. And he says, it requires a new heart and a new mind. To have a new heart and mind and not revert to our old ways is a challenge. A new heart is a heart which has love for everyone. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. We are all loved by God unconditionally. We are again reminded of this in 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. God wants us to know that love, to feel that love, and to trust that love, so that we can give the same love generously and unconditionally to others, not expecting anything back in return. However, in Luke 6, we read that we should love our enemies and do good. And this is the big challenge. Nobody is excluded from God's love. And with our new heart, no one should be excluded from our love. We are called by God to love other people with the love of God that is in us. God understands the challenge that this can present us with. He knows the hurt and pain inside us that makes it difficult for us to show love to those who've made us feel that way. And he knows that differences of opinion can be an obstacle between us, making loving others hard. But he wants us to know that Jesus is there beside us, showing us the way and walking with us as we struggle to demonstrate this love. Now, not only is there a challenge to following Jesus, but it can also come at a cost to us. Jesus paid the highest cost as he obeyed his father. He became one of us, lived our life, and paid the punishment for our sins as he died on the cross. The pain, agony, despair, loneliness, fear, sadness, and suffering that he endured on the cross was what it cost him to accomplish God's plan for us.
he took up his cross for us. And in following him, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross. Following Jesus won't be easy. It's not a recipe for an easy life. It is, however, a recipe for a fulfilling life, journeying with him through life's ups and downs. There will be small crosses to bear and larger crosses to bear. We won't get through life without them. They will be different for all of us. And we might feel at times that they are unbearably weighing us down. We do have the reassurance that Jesus has trodden this path before us. He understands the pain, the agony, the despair, the loneliness, the fear, the sadness, and the suffering that each of life's crosses can bring us. He wants to accompany us through them and finally bring us to a place relieved of this cross and much the stronger in our faith and further along on our Christian journey. Jesus wants to suffer with us. For our part, when Jesus seems far away, we have to keep praying and seeking guidance from him and allow his love to slowly permeate our hearts, replacing the despair and giving us hope that with him this cross can be overcome. So there could well be a personal cost to ourselves for following Jesus, but no one tells us that the reward of doing so is joy. In John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, I have said these things to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Joy isn't the same as happiness. Happiness comes and goes, but joy can be there all the time. Joy embraces both happiness and sorrow, pain and pleasure. Joy is not dependent on external circumstances. Joy is a gift from God, but also an attitude. We have to choose to accept this gift and have it as an attitude. Following Jesus gives us the opportunity to have that underlying joy. Paul says in Philippians 4.4, to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul's whole life was about following Jesus. And as a result, he had that joy in his heart. He was in prison when he wrote this letter. Things weren't going well for him, but he had learned to be content in all circumstances. His joy didn't depend on his circumstances. When the cost feels great, the call of Jesus can seem incredibly quiet. The invitation to a new focused life in God's new kingdom can seem a distance away. It can be hard to trust. A new heart and a transformed mind are both difficult to acknowledge. And we cannot sometimes feel the deep love God has for us. It is in these moments that we need to stay close to Jesus. It is in these moments when our hearts are troubled that we have to rely on what our head tells us about the rewards of following him. It is in these moments that we have to allow Jesus to share the journey. We have to pray at all times for guidance so we might experience the reward of joy. We have to believe that as we bear our cross, we can have that reward. Jesus calls us and he gives us an invitation. 
We are challenged by the call and it comes at a cost, but there is a reward. Finally, known tells us, there is a promise in John 16. Jesus said to his disciples, I must tell you the truth. It is for your own good that I am going, because unless I go, the advocate will not come. But if I do go, I will send him to you. I shall ask the Father, and he will give you the Spirit to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world can never receive since it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, because he is with you. He is in you. If we follow Jesus, we're given the promise that we shall have the Spirit in us to help us, and to give us confidence as we journey through life following Jesus. We will not be alone. With the promise of the Spirit dwelling in us, we can live life fully in the present. God is with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. He is right in the mess of our lives. He is working with us in our lives. Elijah discovered this as he fled Queen Jezebel and felt let down by the Israelites. He heard God's quiet call and followed. Jesus calls quietly to us. He wants us to accept his invitation to his new kingdom, to be challenged by it, and to be prepared for the, its cost on our lives. But he also wants us to be ready for the reward it brings us and the promise that accompanies our acceptance of his invitation to life in God's kingdom. Amen.